Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 110. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. All right, gentlemen. We are here for episode 110. We're back beginning of the month, and that is a history episode. What are we doing this week? Or this, this week, we are doing probably one of the least covered in popular historical writing and, and fiction mm-hmm. people are going to be aware of, and that's the July 20 plot against Hitler, uh, Operation Valkyrie. Uh, it's the name of the movie that Tom Cruise did. We've talked about that quite a bit in our show prep, about how much we actually like that. Even though we may not care for Tom Cruise himself right. all that much, well, he does do some good stuff. He does. He does. He, he just, did a fine job with that He's a whack job, part. though. Well, <laughs> but he did do a fine job with that. Well, it's ironic because he wanted that role because if you look at his pictures and yes. on Stauffenberg's, they are scary alike. Yes, I noticed that. He recognized that going in. He said, I want this role because I look like this guy. He does. And uh, if you've seen the movie, 2008 was the year. Wow, it's good. And that yeah. might be the door you walk through on this. Uh, no, you're, it's pretty accurate. It is. It's it's one of those few uh, movies about history that they actually bothered to, to get some good stuff right. Yeah. Well, they had. I mean, and I don't mind when movies take some uh, liberties because sometimes you have to. Right. But it, it was really good. Well, the, there was a huge amount of German financing in this movie. Ah. Uh, the, the German, the you know, Germany itself financed a huge portion of it because they wanted to show this. It's kind of like let's set the record straight about us. It was almost like it's a purging some of that Nazi past. Yeah. And trying to say, you know, not all of us were that. So yeah, even though, a, as we talked about during the show prep, it wasn't exactly an entirely altruistic. That's correct. Well, plot. before we get there, though, yeah. let's yeah. let's set the stage. Yeah, yeah. it's important yeah. to set the stage. So, it's July of '44. Right. The so, D-Day is a month in. Yeah, we're we're about six weeks in. Six, by the time we get to the twenty. Yeah, by the time we get to it, we're about six weeks in from D-Day. Now, the Allies have not really broken out of Normandy. The Normandy battle isn't over. Right. We haven't hit Operation Cobra yet. Yeah. That's the, the, the breakout. Are, are the Bocas, they're still kind of hemmed in. Uh, Patton and the Third Army don't reach France until August 1st. But the Russians are coming. The Eastern Front, again, Stalingrad has destroyed the Wehrmacht in the east. Yeah. Von Paulus has long since uh, been captured and the yep. Sixth Army's gone. Yep. And the... There's still this very small chance of dislodging the Western Allies off Normandy, and they are bottled up, but it's not looking good. Right. It's not looking good. So well, they the, lost control of the two things that they needed to be able to keep Europe, and that's the sea and the air. Yes. So You need at least one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So the Allies do control the air. The breakout, I don't want to say it's just a question of time, but it's going to happen. The breakout from Normandy is going to happen. Well, once you get the attention in Normandy, you know, you really do open up the rest of France for invasion. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to funnel everybody through those five beaches. And, and eventually that would happen. That's Operation Dragoon. Yes. Coming in from the Mediterranean in France. And, of course, Italy. And Italy. They're still tied down in Italy. The Allies are north of Rome. So it really is now it's a three-front war. Right. And, it, it's and the cream a, of your your uh, fighting men have been, like you said, that's... The, they're gone. I mean, Stalingrad is so important because of that. Yep. Uh, you know, the best and the, the, the brightest, so to speak, if you want to use that term, uh, have they're just gone. That's right. There's no replacing them. And at this point, it's all about resource allocation for Hitler. 
because you can't be everywhere because you don't have them in. So you've got to figure out where do you need them. And in many respects, that the J July 20th, that meeting, that's what it was all about, is we need to move this here, there, that, etc., and all that. Right. That was the intention about that. So that's so, the stage. Right. And well, that's the, the, the stage on the for the Germans, for, for the Hitler part of this. But I think what's really important um, to, to go even deeper in that background is understand this was not just a group of a handful of uh, German generals and staff officers. This was actually a far-reaching, widespread plot. I was kind of surprised to discover that there were a number of resistance groups mm -hmm. uh, in Germany from well before the war started. And it involved not just military, but it involved some civil leaders as well. Yes. And this was so far-reaching that it actually involved the commander of the reserve, what we would call the, the strategic reserve now, right. national reserve. Yeah. National it was Guard, called, you call it? the replacement army, the reserve army. Right. Uh, they were set up, and originally Operation Valkyrie was a real uh, German military Plan, yeah, contingency plan, contingency plan for the the loss of law and order right. inside Germany. And civil insurrection, civil insurrection, or the slave labor insurrection, that kind of thing. The there idea was, was of that. Yeah. yeah, the idea was to be able to call on this reserve army mm -hmm. inside the borders of Germany to quell anything like that. Yeah, and that's what it and originally. And it was an army function. It mm -hmm. was as opposed to the SS, which was outside that, or the Gestapo, which were a police force in many respects. Yeah. So this is out. This is this is stems from the Wehrmacht, you know, the yeah. army thing, and that's very important to understand this because that's where a lot of the crucible for this is: is army officers who are dis disgruntled with right. the way that, that things are being done. They're hearkening back to the good old days, of World War One, in many respects, when. And before that, the Junkers and all that. Where well, yeah, you've about got 45 years from the establishment of Germany as a single nation yeah. again until World War One. I. I mean, it's the height of German power. Exactly, and that's what they're reaching back to because yeah. most glory. Yeah, more important. Most, I don't want to say most, but many of these folks, von Stauffenberg in particular, he is military aristocracy. Well, he's a count. He is a count. He that's is right. literally yeah. a count. That's he right. is he's yeah. aristocracy. Literally, it's both. And his family had served in the military from the beginning. They were officer corps. They were high ranking. Uh, and he that's one of the things that he yeah. brought to this was a credibility yeah. amongst that group of yeah. let's Well, get and that's common throughout a lot of these conspirators. Uh, Erwin Witzelban, von Witzelban, Henning von Treskow, Klaus von Stauffenberg, those three little letters, yeah. V-O-N, that's, right. yeah. that's, that's Prussian aristocracy. Right. Yeah, it, it, you know, we, we, especially in America, we lose sight of what that, what, what that, that means. means. Yeah. But if you have von in front of your name, yeah, it just doesn't mean, uh, it's like, it's not the same as Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. Who's, da Vinci's not his last name. Yeah. It's Leonardo of Vinci, Venice. Yeah. That's where he's from. And, you know, von Stauffenberg, uh, von Hessen, you know, these are uh, aristocratic names tied to the uh, little principalities that yeah. they once ruled. Right. Yep. So, you know, back in, especially during the Holy Roman Empire. Um, so it, it's, it, it is an elite uh, in the sense of not just military, but... Uh, it's societal and cultural. Yes, cultural, yeah. societal. Predates, the military came a little bit later. Yeah, yes. e elitist, old school, uh, in the European sense, conservative, not in the American political sense, but right. 
in the in the European sense, uh, elitist, conservative. Um, the way old, things have always been. Right. That's uh, that's who these men were. Yeah. Restoring um, the societal order. Let's talk a little bit about some of these men, just to give some of the names. It's important because you don't. I mean, Stauffenberg's the one we know. Yeah. But there were others. None are as important as him. I'll give yeah. you the grant. You well, he's the spark plug. That's he. He. he yeah. He really does. It would have tie never these various off. groups together. Gives yes. them direction and cl- uh, clarity. Really. Yeah, because they were they were just. You know they were discombobulated. Other than that, they were they fighting amongst themselves. They couldn't decide on anything. There was no couldn't, they needed yeah. a leader. They, right. needed. they wanted to put Hitler on trial if they could get him out. Which you know, in retrospect, you think, well, that's a dumbass idea. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, you think about what that would mean. First of all, if he's alive, his followers are not going to give up. Yeah. I mean, right. if he's dead, they have a hard time getting him to give up. But if he's alive, eh, it's just not going to happen. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there's. Yeah, it, a couple of key people, Henning von Treskow, again, a, yes. a, a old school Prussian officer. He was really the leader prior up, to Stauffenberg. Up until Stauffenberg's recruitment. He was the thought leader on this. He yeah. had been working on this long before the war started. Yes. He, and he he is self-Prussian aristocracy. He served most of the time on the Eastern Front, yeah. yep. which he thought was a great crucible because it's away from all the Berlin and all the intrigue and all the Gestapo and the SS. He can actually... It's just them out there. So they were. he was able to recruit a lot of folks from that military uh, to try and bring that into about. It played, and those survivors, played beautifully by Kenneth Branagh in the movie. Those survivors from uh, the Eastern Front are going to be the most disaffected. That's right. Because they were hung yes. out to dry. Yes. Correct. And they were given both responsibility and blame for something that was not entirely their fault. And they were very militarily focused. Yes, that's that was that's what they did. That most of them did not under, did not understand the Holocaust. Didn't even know it was going on in many cases because the SS was responsible for that. Uh, von Stauffenberg. But they knew the SS did. was following the Wehrmacht around. That's correct. Basically. They knew right. something was going on. They didn't understand that because oh, yeah. those SS divisions days, yeah. were created specifically to keep the Wehrmacht in line. That okay. is, you know, when they created the military units for the SS because. The SS was a thing, but when they actually created frontline units, they weren't really frontline in no, the sense it, it was, they were there to keep an eye on the other guys. They were occupation troops. Yes. So that the Wehrmacht can continue conquering. Well, not yeah. just that, but I mean they were on they were there uh, yes. you know, to keep an eye on everybody, not just yeah. the occupation troops. Right. But in yeah. the early days of the uh, multiple of, functions of, yeah. of the invasion east, uh, they, there was no such thing as camps yet because everything's on the move. And most of the Holocaust victims came from those conquered territories, particularly Ukraine. It was huge yeah. because it was full of Jews and gypsies and all those non-desirables and all that. And at first, until they were able to, to pacify the area, they were basically going in and shooting them, mass graves. And of course, that became to be a, the reason they stopped that is because that's wasting bullets that you need, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, But those things were witnessed at times. And that's kind of what pinged... Uh, Tresco and others saying, wait a minute, there's more going on here than we realize. We're kind of focused forward. If you turn around and look behind you and see what's going on, you're like, wait a minute, there's more here. They didn't quite get it, but von Stauffenberg was in a position as he, because he rises very quickly uh, after his wounding, which we can talk about yes. that. I know, yeah. that's, I know that's where you're probably trying to right. get Right, well, I, I want to mention Frederick Ulbricht. Yes. A, Ulbricht. Another important huge, huge. Uh, a general... In Berlin, yes. Also very disaffected. 
uh, in this cell along with Treskow. Uh, Ludwig, Ludwig Beck, another important. He was probably the highest ranking. Highest rank. of he was the, field marshal. He, yeah, he was. He was a field marshal. He was the one that was going to become head of state in the new order. Of all right. That. They, that's how far they had this plan too. That's yes. something to you know. This is not a, you know, you got nothing better to do. Let's go kill Hitler. Yeah. Well, the Germans always cross the T's and dot the I's. Right. You know, it's very much, you know, the Russians may not take a dump without a plan, but by God, neither do the Germans. And the Germans write down the plan. That's right. The Germans write it down. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and Beck was, he's one. In triplicate. Yeah. Uh, The movie portrayed him, uh, Terrence Stamp played him Mm -hmm. so well. Oh my God, he just, it's just amazing the pathos that man brings. And you might remember Terrence Stamp as General Zod from uh, Superman 2. But uh, he's, he's, he chewed a lot of scenery there. Uh, the man's acting chops are fantastic, and yeah. he played him so well in, in here. Because uh, he was one of the, he was kind of the father figure of all of this. He's the one they all looked to for, should we do this? Yeah. Stauffenberg's the one that says, can we do this? And how? Right. And they, they, he was one of the ones that kind of, the glue that their hope, yeah. pinning on, yeah. what do we do after? Because Stauffenberg, he was one of the first things that came in and says, now what are you going to do? Okay, so you want to get rid of Hitler. Then what? Then what? And that's what they had never bothered to do. It was all about, you know, conquest is easy, control is not. Thank you, James T. Kirk. That's what you kind of got to figure out. Right. Um, so, in addition to some of the, the names you already mentioned, one of the things I found interesting was Helmut James von Moltke. Mm-hmm. You know, the great grand nephew, nephew yeah, grand nephew of, of uh, Moltke, the elder, who, 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 who elder who we have talked about, yeah, uh, in, on our show before. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Again, just goes to show you that the the tradition and the the lineage that these guys have. And they're trying to recapture. So that. many of these guys are, you know, tied to the past. This is not a disaffected bunch of rabble rousers. Right. You know, this is not Occupy Wall Street trying to get up a plot, which you know we saw how well that went. Yeah, it's not jazz. Yeah. So yeah, well, exactly. There's not a lot of of. Progressive, forward-thinking. We are the moral center of everything. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. uh, Some of that's out there. It's not so much a moral center as it is just we are the rightful top. Yeah. Yes. This is where we belong. Right. This guy is a usurper. Yes. Of of our tradition. Yes. As as Martin put it in the show prep, you know this this uh, Austrian peasant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very much so. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's one of the things we, you know, I have always found fascinating about the rise of, of Hitler, is that he's not German, right? He's Austrian. That's right. Although Hitler had the, and again, I, I, it's the same sensibility as a lot of these generals of that greater Germany, yeah, that hearkening back to yeah. the Holy Roman Empire, yeah. because the Holy Roman Empire was primarily German, Central European. So you look at Germany, Austria, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Romania, all of this yeah. from Italy up to the, the North the, Sea, the North sea yeah. Yeah. all the way to the Baltic, was controlled by various German groups. Uh, the last, the Hohenzollern was the last family to do it. Right. Uh, but uh, as a matter of fact, one of the Hohenzollerns was an early supporter of Hitler, who then became one of the ones that wanted to get rid of him. Right. So, I mean, you know, this is not... A small thing, which is what I find fascinating in that it managed to get this far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because... Because we think of Germany in yeah. World War Two, as such a... The, the, the Gestapo and the SS are just so fearsome and so controlling, 
it's hard to believe in many ways that this was even able to, to get off the ground. Because they were, the, those who did this were ethnically pure. If you, well, were, that if helped, you were that, yes. uh, you were left alone. But most, but in many cases, there was some reality to well, that because they're the ones that are fighting the war. Yeah. But also, when you think about the sheer number of people, you know, it, it, an easy, it, it, a secret is easy to keep between two or three when two of them are dead. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's right. But when you have this many people, yeah. to have it kept secret for so many years, because this is not, it's not a fly-by-night operation. And it's so many people in different cities, different groups, different circles within the army. It's, in a way, it's amazing that they didn't succeed. And it's amazing that they didn't get caught. Yeah. Uh, earlier, earlier. Well, and again, we these old school Prussian officers had kind of a bond to each other. Yes, yes. So that's even probably when, a good deal of it, yeah. Even when one of these conspirators might approach someone and try to recruit them in, and that, that person wavered or hesitated, they still didn't turn in the conspirators. That's right, because they yes. were... I mean, Treskow never got turned in, even though he'd been recruiting since the 30s. Just right? That was one of so the things... So nobody ever went to the Gestapo and said, hey... Now, Hitler was always suspicious of these generals anyway. He hated all of them. Right, because he was an Austrian peasant, and he knew that they didn't like it. And that, that's part of his yeah, ethos, because, is that yeah. they're the ones who screwed all this up in World War One anyway. Yeah. They're, it's a closed shop. It's a boys-only yeah. club, and you can't really get into that. But, Hitler, Hitler overrode them, yeah. and he knew that there was right. resentment. Well, you know, it, it, he his power was not the aristocracy. Nope. And yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, it was the masses. But I, it's what you just talked about how none of these people got turned in until basically the, the plot failed. Yes, uh, I found extremely fascinating. Yeah, that because so, there were so many people that knew about it, knew about the the attempt to be re- recruited, yeah. but didn't say anything. Because I think he even went to Rommel and, and tried and, to recruit and him. And Himmler even had yes some approaches and never really turned because he. It was like, well, you know, hey, I'd be man, next if he goes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. uh, you know, lots of... Uh, as long as he's not targeted, he probably thought it wasn't a bad deal. Because at some point, somebody like Himmler also had to realize, this guy's a maniac. He's got to go. And somebody like Himmler thinks Hitler's a maniac, somebody else is a maniac. You know things are bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's Because he, he was nuts. I mean, they were yeah. all yeah. psychopaths. And we, just to, to round everything out, I mean, we mentioned again... Beck, and, and again, there are civilians involved like Carl Gordler, Treskow, Ulbricht. Stauffenberg, again, is the spark plug. He's yeah. the key. Again, he's an old-school Prussian officer. He's substantially wounded in North Africa, loses a hand, a couple of fingers, and an eye. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's uh, he's got a gripe. He's I mean, disaffected. And he, he he was already such before he went there. That's one of the reasons he was sent to North Africa. is because he was outspoken against Hitler. Yeah. Uh, and that's what got him sent there, yeah. which almost killed him. Uh, but that kind of washed, that wounding washed away a lot of that negativity that was associated with him after the fact. Yeah. And there's a moment in the movie when he actually meets Hitler early on. And Hitler says, this is what, he says to the room full of his advisors, which probably is a bit of apocryphal, he says, this is what we want. This is the guy, this guy, I wish we had everybody was like he this He was guy. the hero. He was the hero of the Reich. And that's one of the reasons that he was able to gain access and rose so fast, 
his wounding in many respects put him in a position he would have never gotten otherwise. Well, yeah. and you know, make that state. being wounded in service of the country gives you a lot of leeway in the sense that you know you're, you're obviously a patriot. Yeah. So right. and he, he was a German nationalist, right? A very right. strong German. Well, nationalist. that's the funny thing, you know. From our perspective, when you when you plot to overthrow the government, that obviously automatically makes you a traitor. Mm-hmm. And and no, I am not referring to anything that has happened recently. I'm just talking about in general. Yeah. And yet these guys all consider themselves, and probably most people consider themselves, patriots, German, you know, granted German nationalists, but they were looking out for what they thought was the best for the country. Now, granted, they thought what was best for the country was for them to be in control. Yeah, they had but a whole. Had a most whole people who plot plan. to overthrow their own government think that. Yeah, nobody's going to overthrow the government to give it to somebody else. It's going to be. Let's be realistic here. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things you have to, you really have to understand that I think most of us don't is they had a realistic plan for taking over the whole government. They had a yes. whole. Uh, uh, org chart set up for how, who was going to take all the spots. Who was going to be president? Who was going to be chancellor, they, vice chancellor, secretary And they were state. using this reserve army to essentially take over. Right. Everywhere. So this, that's a good Berlin spot in to actually give the events then yes. of July 20th. Well, um, one thing I was going to point yes. out before we get to July 20th, and we sort of alluded to this, this was not the first attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were five attempts between March 1943 to uh, March of 1944 uh-huh. that failed yeah, for one reason or another. They were, not, they were not caught. Right, they yeah. were not caught. They, they just they, didn't they, work out. They, yeah, exactly. Either they didn't work, like uh, the, the time Trescal put, put a bomb, bomb on, the on the plane, plane which was a, which, which would have changed everything if it had gone off. Because right. that's, that's done. You know, It's over with. Uh, but it and did. that was the one that had uh, Hitler, uh, Goering, and Himmler all and on Himmler the same plane, plane, which was you know, just, would, that would have guaranteed success. The trifecta. That's yeah. right. That's what. And if that had gone off, that would have been something totally different. But it didn't. That was early. That was Tresco. He didn't really have an organization. He wasn't planning on taking over the government. He just wants these guys gone. In those early stages, it morphs later, and Stauffenberg's the one that comes in and says, "No, wait a minute. You can't just kill him. Yeah. You have to have a plan for the vacuum that will be created, and you also." And they push back, saying, well, you've got to get Himmler, you've got to get Goering, too. Because they're going to come right in afterwards, and it's the same old, same old. And Uh, that is probably, that initially that desire to get all three is probably ultimately what caused it to fail. Because they had a good opportunity earlier on. And they backed out they because... Called, it they was, told Stauffenberg to back off because right, Himmler choked. wasn't there because, again, what's the point of killing Hitler if a monster like Himmler is going to take over? Right. But it, which is debatable. Which yeah, is I mean, worse. Stauffenberg eventually says, we're just going to have to deal with that. We've got to kick this off. Well, and, right. and also at that time, that was in June when a lot of that happens. And there were rumors going around that the SS was... Uh, they were under suspicion. They were closing the in. They were closing in. They realized, we don't have another shot at this. That's the, one of the first things we think about is, wait a minute, didn't they go too fast? Shouldn't they have waited? Uh, yeah. No, they, they went too they'd slow. Already, they'd already done that. They'd yeah. already, they'd already yeah. choked too many times. And, and again, that's the time was Stauffenberg over. being the, the spark plug yeah. of saying, one, a trial is not realistic. We're going to have to kill him. Two, don't worry about the other ones. And three... What's the plan? Yeah. Treskow then takes the Operation Valkyrie contingency plan yeah. and they rewrite it. Right, absolutely. And, and sneak in this idea of we can use this apparatus 
under the command of Frederick Frome to then do a military coup, arrest the SS leaders, and take over. Which was what, what Valkyrie was all about anyway, yeah. in case you had to do that. So right. uh, they were going to use basically the Germans' uh, love of planning the against plan- them. Against, yeah. yeah that's, that's what that came so out that, to be. So you get to July 20th. Hitler doesn't stay in Berlin. Right, he has not been in Berlin he's since been, the, the major he's, bombing. He's began. meeting with his top-level generals, either in Berchtesgaden Which was or, in, or in Rastenburg, called the Wolf's Lair yes. uh, in East Prussia. So because of the promotions and things, Stauffenberg has access to Hitler. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's, he's chief, on the chief of staff. To Fromm. From, yeah. So that gives him access then to be in these meetings. Because that's what they're talking about is we've got to reallocate a lot of these yeah. resources. So that puts him in the position uh, to do all this. Right. And you know, this is probably one of the last times they would have had an opportunity because when you think about where we are, July 20, 1944, that replacement army is yeah. going to be called up very soon. That's right. It's, it's Because going. that's the last reserves they have. That's yeah. right. And I So think if they you don't do it now, yeah. you don't have a shot at it. And that's yeah. what, I think that was another one of those reasons for the urgency. Yeah. And the reason that they didn't, because when we get into the day itself, there were like three things that von Stoff, that happened that shouldn't have happened. Von Stauffenberg, looking back at it now, we say, why didn't he just abort and do it later? Because this didn't happen. Yeah. This or this happened. So like that. And wisdom says that now, but you have to understand how pinched they were for time. They recognize the clock is against them. Well, and once you start, chance. it's very difficult to stop. Right. You know, I mean, you get caught with the explosive on you. Right. But basically, yes, Stauffenberg flies from Berlin to uh, Rastenburg. Um, he has the bomb and the detonators, and it's two bombs. Two bombs. Yes, yes. and that's, that's right. that is one of the things. Yes. Again, one small thing. Two, makes a yeah. difference. That's right. loads There's of explosives. Like ten little small things that, that really... If he got both bombs in that room... That's right. That's probably would have done the job. Exactly. Yeah. But he didn't have time based on yeah. what happened. Well, no, no. What, this, that one wasn't a time. They couldn't get the second bomb armed. Well, that's right. Because... Well, he's having so much... Again, he he has to dress with three fingers is all he has. Yeah. So he's he's so not he, able to do he, both. He, makes, uh, he gets to Rassenberg. Uh, he has the explosives in his briefcase. He has a uh, an adjutant... Uh, Von Hefton, uh, he excuses himself, goes into a room. Right, says, I'm sweating so much. Because, again, that's why they're up in the, the conference that's room. Right. Yeah, he's going to change clothes. Um, he's That's their moment to arm. But they get interrupted, a knock on the door. Hey, the meeting started. You've got to get in there. Yeah, they only had time to arm one bomb. That's it's, right. it's, it's a British design. Of, they crush this capsule, and acid eats the wire and keeps the priming pin apart. From the cap and it's all about that. A th- it's supposed to be a 30-minute timer, but they understand because of this heat, you might have 15. Yeah. If, so you're, if you're lucky, if you're you got lucky. 15, but probably 10. So you're going to have to place the bomb and then get, get out. out. Right. So he places the bomb, and again, this July heat, they're not in the accustomed place, which is usually an underground bunker, concrete walls. They say, no, let's have it in the hut and open the windows. So Stauffenberg places the bomb near Hitler under the desk or under the table, this huge conference table, and another officer moves it to the other side of the table legs. Yeah. Right, and you say table leg, but it's really one of these 
flat panel yes. kind of a thing. Yes. It, it, a regular table leg would not have stopped this bomb. Right. So, I mean, the table in the movie, I assume, is relatively historically accurate. It's huge. It's thick. Yeah. This table leg is this this like partition. A partition. Yeah, it's a right. solid partition. So that, you know, basically the guys on the other side, uh, you know, that were directly exposed to the bomb, they took most of That's where most of the casualties yeah. are. Yeah. That's right. Uh, although, if you look at the picture of the pants that, that uh, Hitler was wearing, yes. I mean, they were shredded. Shredded. Oh, yeah. So it's it was... amazing he did survive. Yeah, and had this been in the bunker like it was originally intended, where it was all, all the explosion was self-contained, no one would have survived. They would shredded. Turned them Even into one jelly. bomb would have done it. Yeah, right. the pressure wave would have turned them all into jelly. But it's, it's above ground. The pressure wave blows the windows out instead. Uh, but Stauffenberg, he places the bomb, then gets a... A prearranged signal call, that yeah. they, you know there's a phone call for you, uh, Colonel Stauffenberg. So he leaves uh, and gets the hell out. <laughs> the explosion happens. He bluffs his way off the base, right? Basically out out the checkpoints. And he sees the explosion happen, and he sees this was not in the movie, but he sees a body being carried out with what he, he thinks is Hitler's coat over top of it as he's pulling out, and he yes. thinks that's it. He he's thinks dead. he's been. A he's success. pretty certain in his mind. That that's Hitler and he's dead. That's one of the reasons he he moved out quickly. Right, and he has the the communications officer at Rastenberg, Failgable, is part of the conspiracy. Yep. So he's calling Berlin, says it's on. You know, do it. Shuts down the communications from the outside world. And so Stauffenberg returns to Berlin. Uh, they dispose of the bomb remains and the pliers and all that in the woods. Um, but by the time he returns to Berlin. Word has gotten out. Hitler survived. Right. There's conflicting information. That's right. Because he's insisting to the conspirators back in Berlin. No, I watched the explosion. Yeah, I saw the body, and he didn't. It was not what he thought it was. Yeah. And that's that's where the conflict came in because of his insistence. He's moving forward, and yet word is coming out. Wait a minute. No, they didn't. Right. And in his mind, he had to have expected this because, of course, whoever survives that. That's correct. He's, He's going to say, well, of course Hitler's alive. That's right. Because you don't want to cause panic if you're a Hitlerite. Right. right. Yeah. So, so he just thought this was so business he's, as he's usual. He's telling the rest of the conspirators, no, Hitler's dead. Kick off part two, Operation Valkyrie. Kick off from, though, his signature is necessary to activate the reserve army. So they lock him in a closet, forge his signature, and get this going. Yeah. Um, they, it, one of the interesting things, Fromm was approached to join the conspiracy. He's a massive opportunist. Yes. Major. Well, and, Tom Wilkinson plays him so yeah. evilly. Oh, yeah. my God. And so he's kind of amenable, but he basically tells them, I always come out on the right side. Yeah. Meaning, I'll, I'll saw you off the limb if I have to. Yeah. I'll always come out on the right side. Yeah. Um, and especially after one of the failed attempts... He tells them, ooh, no more, guys. You all screwed this up. Yeah, because they actually activated uh, the, uh, the, ar- the army, uh, the reserve army, as part of this failed attempt. Uh, they played it off as a drill, yeah. but they didn't get his approval. Uh, Ulrich just did it. He's the yeah. deputy commander. He just did it on his own, and he said, you ain't never going to do that shit again. No. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to let you do it. Yeah. Um, Which, again, you know, the opportunist, because if he had turned them all in... He'd have been a big hero, but he'd have been better off under the new regime as well. Well, yeah. they were going to appoint him. Uh, part of part of trying to suck him into the conspiracy was appointing him 
as commander-in-chief of the Wehrmacht. Right. And he had a huge hatred, and they show this slightly in the movie, but uh, Field Marshal Keitel, von Keitel, oh, was yeah. promoted above him, uh, and he never got over that. And it, they had an, an awful, awful rivalry, and he said, anything that screws Keitel, I'm in on. You know, yeah. I want that. So yeah. there was other so motivations there's, Yes, there. there's a huge part, again, emphasize, these guys aren't angels. These, right. This motivation isn't sweetness and light and you know making up for all these crimes it's all really personal yeah it is it's it's we're tired of taking orders from this austrian corporal he's an idiot we need to put ourselves back in charge these guys are the professionals yeah they know the mistakes that he's making yeah and the failure of them in in the assassination attempt or attempts yeah Mm -hmm. especially this one though guarantees the eventual uh, uh, dis- literal destruction of Germany as a nation. Right. Because Hitler takes full control. He starts making absolutely all the decisions. Yeah. Right. And, and there are he's not thousands capable of thousands of executions. 7,000 arrests. And yeah. 4,500, almost 5,000 know, executions. Uh, executions. And that includes family. You yeah. know, at this point, uh, uh, Himmler or Goering had instituted the blood libel laws. Yeah, that's a Himmler thing from and the SS. And, and it, they basically said, if you're guilty, so is your family. Yeah, yeah and von Stauffenberg is fortunate that his family were, were not accused, and they did survive. Yeah, the war. He, was, right. they, he, yeah he got them out of the country, got them somewhere safe, basically. Right, because that was he knew that that was, that was coming. Yeah, yeah. He, as, he had the foresight to plan for failure, even. Right. Because uh, he knew that if if it didn't go on, I mean, he was all of the main conspirators were going to get killed. That's you know, right, so. and he and that whole rest of that day, he's basically assuming command. He's the only one, and the movie shows this very, very well. Tom Cruise pulls it off so well. Nobody else has the will, the vision, or the commitment to make this the happen. Balls, hey, the balls, exactly. And everything goes through him. Ulrich is going through him, even though he should kind of be in charge of this. You know, well, or, theoretically, Fromm should have been at the front. Correct. Now, since they've removed him, Ulrich is his deputy. Right. So, well, and and at the end, Fromm is the one who, who who ends up literally and figuratively killing it all because once he realizes that that you know when Hitler comes out and says. I'm alive, guys. Yes. It was just several hours because, you know, he's... It, but he, he goes you know, on the radio with his voice and of course yeah. everybody knows it. Yeah. And so at that point... Tom gets a call from Rastenberg and the call is, where's Stauffenberg? Yeah. yeah. And so Fromm knows this has now been traced back to my staff. Like, my people. Yeah. Can't have that. So he turns on them. Yeah, he turns on them. He, he, they, he's told Stauffenberg a lot. Because right. they know that, because yeah. obviously he's the guy, one guy who left. Right. And they want him alive because well, they, sure they want to interrogate wants, him. Yeah, Hitler wants all the conspirators alive. He gives orders to, um, what, is, um, what is his name? Uh, it's a major. Major Brandt. Colonel Brandt. No, no, no re, uh, uh, re, yeah, it's not Reem. Otto Remmer. Remmer, Remmer. Otto Remmer. Otto Remmer. Otto yes. Remmer. Otto Remmer. Yeah. He's the one who is ordered, take control back of Berlin. I want all the conspirators alive. Yeah. So from, I can kill him later. <laughs> yeah, from outranks him. So from says, nope, we're going to convene an emergency immediate 
military court martial, and guess what? They're all guilty. Go shoot them in the courtyard right now. Right now. That's right. right now. Before they can say anything. Before they can. <laughs> and, and he's covering up his own waffling. Exactly. Because he always guilt. comes out on top. Yeah. Although it doesn't last because yeah. eventually he is found out and he himself is hung uh, in uh, March or April of 45. Of 45. Irony of ironies, you know, what, a month a before, month. The, before, before Stalin over. hits the gates, you know? Yeah. So... The plot fails. Stauffenberg and the gang are all executed. Well, the law almost didn't. I mean, yeah. uh, if, if if all those things that had happened, if the second bomb had been there, if they hadn't moved the case, if they hadn't, <laughs> if they had been in the bunker, it would have it would have done clean sweep. It would have been well, over with. The one thing that they didn't have the foresight to plan for, and this is, it's partially the circumstances. You didn't see an actual body. That's but more right. importantly, you didn't have a military presence at the Wolf Slayer to take control. Well, I'm that's glad, what I'm the problem I'm glad you was. mentioned that because one of the, it goes back to the thing. Stauffenberg is the only one who had access. But he's also the only one with balls back in Berlin to, to make it all happen there. And he can't be at two places at once, so he has to do the one, leave, go back over there. If Ulrich or whoever had been, had some gumption to them, and had been able to take control, Stauffenberg could have stayed. He would not have inspected. At least not immediately. He could have played it off. He, he could have he definitely played could it have, off. He could have charged back and said, what happened? What happened? Absolutely. It uh, was, but he, that, but he know, had to get back. He had to get back. otherwise and, the second part wouldn't have happened. So right. the, it, trying to put him in two roles, yeah, absolutely. Because if he had stayed, yeah. he could have seen Hitler's alive That's right. call off the stuff in Berlin. Absolutely. But... On the other hand, if he had a military presence, and I don't mean just himself, but I mean you needed troops on the ground. I mean, as we all know, you don't win anything until you have troops on the ground. Yeah, and, and because he didn't have anybody to take control of the situation there to make sure that Hitler died. Yeah, that's right. One way or another. Because he he may have been in control if he had stayed, yeah. but there were enough higher ranking I mean he wasn't the lowest ranking man there probably because I'm sure there were a few aides lower than him yeah, but he, but of all the general staff officers he would have been one of the lowest and you're yeah. talking about SS, SS security here this, this yeah. you're, you're not going to get past that you've got to work within that yeah uh, so they had three levels of uh, of security just to get to the to the actual wolf slayer yeah. right so bigger bomb second bomb what either one would have helped yeah changing the, I mean we have talked about this sort of thing Practically every historical episode we've done, especially around war, because war is where it is most clear. Want of a nail. Want of a nail. That's right. Want of yeah, for want of a shoe, for want of a horse. I mean, it's just so <laughs> many horse, things. My, uh, my, my horse, horse, my kingdom for a horse. <laughs> you know, yeah, same thing. Uh, Chamberlain doesn't get to the top of the little round top uh, in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, doesn't decide to charge after they run out of ammunition. So many different things can go wrong, and when it goes right. It's almost more miraculous. Because, I mean, we think of this, oh, my God, how could this go wrong? So many things had to fail. No. So many things have to go right. Yeah. 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 That's, it's it. You know, any one of those things fails, and it's a disaster. And that's exactly It just so happened with this. There were several. There were several yeah. that failed. Plus, yeah. you had people that you couldn't trust that you had to rely on. Like from. Yeah. So. Robert, this is a good spot for a break, man. Yeah, we should actually should have done our bourbon break uh, a little while ago because it's, it's a little bit late for that. Uh, let's get into that. Maybe. We're we're at thirty eight, so yeah. so uh, this is the you know as is so often the case, we almost never have an actual bourbon for the history episode 
because we like to get together early in the day to ha- to start recording. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had to get together a little bit earlier today because we're under some time constraints. And again, not being day drinkers, at least not during a work day, or at right. least when it's not a work day, we're not day drinkers. Uh, for those of us that work at home. <laughs> I don't know. If Francis pours me some more of this good coffee. I may slip a little something into it. Oh, there well, you go. Ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah. Go. And if you were to, if you were of the mind, uh, my middle daughter gave me some Russell's. Oh, no, no, no. Not, not that in the coffee. You don't want to put that? Oh, oh no, 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 You no, want no. to get the cheap stuff over there? Yeah, you would put the makers in the coffee. Oh, okay. We could do that. Actually, I think there's some old granddad downstairs that I keep from my lush brother-in-law's. Uh, there's probably a little bit of that around, so if you want some of that, I can fix you. So do that. Uh, it's we, you know we just passed Father's Day. That's right. Uh, when we're recording this, and um, I got a three pack of different kinds of bourbon from my kids, and they're uh, you know they were half size bottles, the 375 milliliters, not the 750s, which is fine. So there's a bottle of nine year uh, Knob Creek. Which is very nice. Oh, yes. That's going to be so good. A uh, bottle of Basil Hayden's, oh, yes, one of our which favorites. is always good. Absolutely. And what I'm really looking forward to try the next time we get together, because next time we record uh, the next month's episodes, we'll be at my place. We'll be at uh, uh, Studio, Studio R in the atrium. We are, by the way, I didn't even mention this, we are in Studio F in the, the, the Baxter building. Yes, we are. Yes. So uh, that's where we are today. It's a glorious and, day, I might also mention. Yes. Um, we're just fresh from, from breakfast, and... Uh, Listeners, I know this probably doesn't mean anything in audio, but um, the route between Studio M and Studio F is not long, and it's side roads, back roads. Yes, yes. convoluted in some yeah, ways. Yeah, but yes. it's it's this awesomely undeveloped area of our town, so it's just glorious to be driving around in the morning, the windows down, I had rainbow pumping on the satellite radio, Oh, yeah. And just there's like a working cattle farm between yeah. uh, Studio. It's M one of the Studio last F. undeveloped areas of this county. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it was just glorious morning. Yeah, uh, it really is. You know, the only thing that would have made it better was a few less clouds, and and you know that's it. <laughs> it's just it is a fantastic morning. Uh, and we all had breakfast in our merch. We are we wearing did. our snakes and snakes 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 merch. Yes, we, yeah, everybody advertising. Made, everybody did their laundry on time. See? That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know. The, so, yeah, we're in Studio F. Uh, next month at Studio R, I'm going to break up these three bourbons. The one I'm really looking forward to trying is, oddly enough, a Jim Beam. You know, this is not one we, I think, we we've ever had. No, we haven't. Uh, any Jim Beam. But this one is an extra-aged, um, uh, shoot, uh, was it Black Label? Black, yeah. It black was, Label, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No. Well, it was, that's a beer, but it's it's a it's a black something or yeah. other. Yeah. Um, um, but it's it's I've never seen this bottle before. Right. Uh, so I'm expecting a higher quality than a standard uh, Jim Beam. And again, you know, even a bad bourbon is still bourbon. Yeah, uh, we Jim Beam just hasn't been featured only because it just hasn't. You know, right. We, I mean, my and Lord. we tend to go for the more exotic and more uh, upscale. Some of that. Uh, it's just there's so many bourbons out there. My there Lord, are. Uh, you know, we've guaranteed ourselves longevity and sustainability because we got plenty more to try. Yes. Always like it when we can bring a new bottle of bourbon. Well, that's that's correct. That's that's what, that's what we're going to be getting to uh, um, when the time comes. Also, have it sitting at the house for next time. Just kind of whet your appetites, boys. Uh, I have an unopened bottle of 1792 small batch. Oh yeah, they're always yeah. good. Uh, and I also have an open bottle because I opened it and had a drink with my daughter. 
on okay. Father's Day. Yeah, of course. Uh, a, a Four Roses small batch. Okay. So this is a step up from the standard Four Roses we've been drinking. Right. And I gotta say, I cannot sing the praises of the Four Roses Distillery anymore. I mean, it's not possible to do it justice because that starter bottle, that twenty dollar bo- bottle of bourbon. You tell somebody who's a bourbon aficionado, here, I got a twenty dollar bottle of bourbon for you. They're gonna. Yeah, can't we do something better? Gee, thanks. Yeah. yeah. That's for a bourbon snob. But if you give it to them and you have them taste it, this is a great bourbon. And this small batch version yeah. is even better. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. still is a low, low priced. It's, you know, I used yeah. to say that the double oat dollar for was your best dollar value because it is a really smooth oh, yeah, it's bourbon. Right. Yeah, sitting right over there, yeah. But even this small batch is still half the price of the, the double oat. And it's just as good a quality. I still you like got, the double oaked a little you better. You got quite but a list. I don't know. I won't be able to choose. Well, you know, we, we, if we, we do all four episodes, you can do one of each. And then, you know, revisit one. For, well, you've already had the Basil Hayden. Well, yeah, I know, we, but we you've got to sit. I, w- I want to try that Four Roses Small Batch. I've been talking about that for a while. I want to try that Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. Um, the seventeen ninety two. The seventeen ninety two. Now we used to drink that but all the time. The Knob yeah. Creek Nine Year. Oh, that's going to be. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah, we've had we've had seventeen ninety two. I don't know if we've had the, the, we didn't do the small batch. No, not the small batch. But we so used to drink seven nineteen seventeen ninety. That was our original after the Basil Hayden go to bourbon. Because right. Basil Hayden we couldn't afford back in the day when we first got started. <laughs> that's correct. Bourbon. That's right. Yeah, because uh, it was you know it was thirty about thirty dollars a bottle, which was like wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's still only about thirty five now, right. which is you know that's still, a good mid range price deal, for yeah. such a good bourbon. Yeah. It's, uh, it's still one of our favorites. So yes, for new listeners, if you can't tell, we really like our bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, so and we like breakfast, and we like breakfast. Yeah. So, oh boy, do we like breakfast! We had breakfast today at uh, as as I have been calling it in the emails, Der Waffelhaus. That's right. Uh, well, you know, it's very appropriate for the subject that we're talking it about. Is. Speaking enjoyment. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a good breakfast, man. There's it's just such a great way to start your day, and I don't mean a bowl of cereal. No, real breakfast. Real breakfast. Hot, hot breakfast. breakfast. That's right. Hot. You know, I mean, we all, I, we, you throw in some eggs, some hash browns, some bacon or sausage, and some gravy on top, because as we all know, what's the answer when you say, would you like some more gravy with that? Oh, yeah, yes. Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes. Yes, please. Uh, so, yeah, it's not, uh, I mean, if I'm going to rank my, my breakfast places, I'm going to go Biscuit Belly. The official breakfast place. The official breakfast place. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I've not been to Wild Eggs, so I can't throw that one in. It's oh, very good. It's very good. But I hear that's good. excellent. Yeah, it is. But of the ones I've been to, I like my biscuit belly. I like IHOP. Could you get a uh-huh. massive amount of food they and do a good, good variety? There. They do a very good job. That that country fried steak for breakfast over there is some good stuff. Hey, T-bone steak and eggs, baby. Yeah, I mean that's great then, stuff. You know, Waffle House. It's it's a good place for breakfast. Yeah, oh yeah. So you know, very friendly. Uh, we had we had a good yeah. experience. And other time. good news here, close to Studio uh, M and Studio F is Heine Brothers. It's great. It's coffee shop. In, yeah, uh, a, a little drive-through coffee place. Oh, excellent. Yeah, they're, they're right, right next to where, to the Waffle House, right where we were. Fantastic. Always like it when the the, the smaller places. Yeah, the local uh, stuff because yeah, Heine Brothers is exclusively local. I'm pretty sure. Is it? I think, I think so. so. Okay. Pretty sure. Yeah. It's. it's I mean, I knew. I think. I knew it's been here forever because it was around when we were in college. Remember, it's, Bashard it's, Manor had one. That's right. It was. They had. They were a coffee place before there were coffee places. Right. You know, there, yeah. They, before they were Starbucks like, was even a name here. That's right. right. Yeah. Starbucks was a character on Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Uh, that's yes. all it was in those days. Yes. And of course, we also so, like the uh, the you know Sister Beans. 
Well, that's very true. Talk about local stuff. Yes, that's right. So I'm really looking forward to the Heine Brothers place opening up because that Heine Brothers is uh, Biscuit Belly's coffee yes, supplier. It is. Yes. So yeah. it's it's very local, good. local man. You can't you can't beat that. I'll be driving past it every day. And I want to say that um, Heine Brothers might be where Sister Beans gets their coffee. I have to double check Possible. that. They're, they they've been established here for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, and they've expanded locally only. Yeah, uh, to I don't know how many locations they have. Probably it seems four. like they've been expanding more in the last few years because right. they were good for them. Not a big name for a while, it seemed, because you know Starbucks took the nation by storm. Well, yeah. and they had capital well, to burn too. Yes. they kind of focused on Heine Brothers. I think does a lot of more of. Not their own places, but distributing to local restaurants. Yeah, that's that, providing that, coffee. That brings that the cap- way to yeah brings the capital in to allow you to expand in a you know responsible and bring, manner. And bring your own place. Yeah. Well, right. and you know, the the buy local thing has really picked up in recent years, which is a great thing. Uh, you know, there's some things you can't buy local, and you can't buy local when it comes to your cell phone, which no. is not possible. That's right. I mean, you know, there's certain, but certain things you can. Mm-hmm. And if I can, I'm much. I'll even. I'm willing to pay a little bit more because I'm. I have a little bit more disposable income than 25 years ago well, when I was, all. Hey, was younger. It's kind of the way it's supposed it's to be. So like to have a little bit more disposable income, but that's another thing. Yeah. So, anyways, back to the Valkyrie plot. Yes. So, we've pretty much gone through to where all of the uh, players have been. You know, we we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the that. 12 hours or so post-explosion. But essentially, there was a lot of chaos, mm-hmm. conflicting information. Ultimately, these guys fail because Hitler comes on the radio. Right. And then it's done. That's great. You know, Fromm throws them to the walls, has them arrested, gets Stauffenberg executed so he yeah. can save yeah. his own ass. And once Stauffenberg is, is executed, your primary source of uh, a lot of the... The, the planning and execution is is gone. Yeah, Ulbricht's executed. Treskow commits suicide. So yes. Beck. Beck commits suicide. So the or top guys to. are gone immediately. Yeah. yeah. So then it's a witch hunt. Oh, and that's and if a the big, SS yeah. and the, the Gestapo were any good at anything, it was a witch hunt. Yeah. So it, I think you had said earlier, either in the show prep, but during the show, I think you did, uh, Martin, that over seven thousand people were arrested. Two thirds right. of them were executed. Right. right? Oh yeah, it was. It we're was, talking about in the last nine months of the war. Yeah, I mean, this was. Think about yeah. the the manpower they had to devote to that. And Rommel's pressured into suicide. Yeah, well, we addition. didn't talk about that because he was brought in late to it. It was, and he didn't do anything. He was just part I think of. It was group. one of those things that he was aware of it. Yes, but did not pass it on. That's right. He was. He was a little deeper than that. He 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 had promised some support on certain things. And once and Hitler was devastated when he found that out because Rommel was his favorite general. I think yeah, I think it was one of those things. Look, look, if you do it, okay. Yeah. But again, I, I don't know the details as well. But yeah. my sense but, was it was a. If you guys do it, okay, we'll we'll go from there. But well, in Rommel's case, they had some documentation that proved yeah uh, that at least he had been told yeah. and, 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 he, and he was, he'd been in communication right and it was just communication about it was a was a it was enough that's yeah. right and it was so. it was significant enough to the point where they but but they also recognized who he was to the german people so that's why they gave him okay you can go through the trial and your family will suffer or commit suicide will give you a state funeral and take care of them forever and he's you know, there's no question as to that yeah it wasn't well known of course at the time uh, it was. Uh, I think they painted as a heart attack or a stroke yeah. or something like yeah. that. Is what the official word was. And, and of course, his death then too also leads to a lot of cloudiness about his role mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. Right. And you know, again, 
doing this takes a lot of, just like every time there's a purge. Because, you know, there were purges before this. Right. Uh, well, the Night of the Long Knives. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, even war. during the war, you know, guys disappear. Yeah. Uh, that fall out of favor. Yeah. And with the psychopath that Hitler was, it didn't take much to fall out of favor. So, once again, at the most critical time, you have removed your best quality officers. The, the failure to assassinate Hitler, uh, to be successful at it, hastens the end of Germany as the nation it was. And, of course, then for 50 years, you have, not quite 50 years, you have two nations. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, the failure of this plot uh, leads to a lot of the post-war experience mm-hmm. for Germans. Right. Because if they had one, they probably would have been able to negotiate something better than they got because what they got was obviously, for the German people... Uh, utter destruction. Utter destruction. Yeah. Uh, you know, there may still have been some kind of occupation. I don't know if it would have been in uh, East Germany and a West Germany. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's all up in the air at this point because the Russians are not in Germany yet. They're coming. They're coming. And that's one of the things they feared. That was another reason that clock was ticking so fast, is they recognized we've got to have time to make peace with the West before the Russians get here. Right. And that's obviously the goal. If you do that and the the West gets to Germany before the Russians, that does change the equation. That's right. So, now how much it changes it is the question. That's the key. Because for me, again, it, it kind of... Again, the fascinating part of all of this to me is not that they attempted; it's these motivations. Again, they, unrealistic. Motivations. Yeah, this it's the same idea of, okay, you know, we can talk to the British and to the Americans, and maybe they'll let us keep all of this in the East. This unrealistic delusion that they have of, they'll let us keep all of this in the East. We can clear it out of all these, quote, undesirables and colonize it with Aryans. And then we'll team up and go after Stalin and the Russians. And it's crazy to me how much of that delusion persists, even beyond these conspirators. We talked about this a little bit when we, we talked about the submarine campaign and Karl Dernitz. There's still this delusion of, well, you know, if I if I shove Himmler out of the way and keep the SS at arm's length, maybe I can talk to the Brits and the Americans, and it won't be so bad. Too much blood's been spilled, and it's they just yep. didn't get that. Right. No, guys, it's unconditional surrender time. You are beaten. That's, That's right. it. Yeah, and the other thing that, um, and, you know, some of these guys maybe didn't have as big a clue as what was going on with the camps, but. Enough of them had to have known they, yeah. that yeah. of what was going on. I think if anybody didn't know, it was the average soldier in the field. Yeah. Because they're not privy to the planning. Yeah. Well, you have I to have know. a certain height uh, yes. to be able to see this. And so these guys would have been able to... You know, even you know, If you're off in, in fighting on the Eastern Front in Stalingrad, maybe you're not aware of it until you get back. But once you get back, yeah. there's no way you don't know. Yeah, they knew. And Again, so, Dernitz knew. Uh, Otto Remmer, the guy that... that Again, that kind of stomped on the whole plan was he was committed Nazi even after the war. Right. Yeah, he's the one that started the. Uh, uh, who was it? That start was it him or was it somebody else that started the uh, uh, the Nazi sympathetic political party? 
Uh, I believe it was him. I think yeah. It was him, so and you know that obviously didn't last because eventually anything related to Nazism was totally outlawed well, in Germany and still is. Well, that's right. Well, you know, but, but denazification was the uh, you know military occupation was all about denazification. Right. That's what got Patton in trouble. Right. Because he, well, he refused to do it. At least with Patton, his part of his refusal was some of it was. You know, he agreed with the conspirators in that you know, we really need to team up and fight the Russians. That part of but it, yeah. part of it was, I can't get rid of everybody because there's nobody left to run anything. That's correct. That was his argument, yeah. And, which I think was a valid argument. That's right. Especially yeah. when you're coming up on the winter. Uh, which, right. you know, but anyways, so once you take into account the fact that you've got the camps, the, the concentration camps, there's no way right. the West was going to let that let the country off the hook. Correct. There's just no way. No way. Yeah. And that's one of the, again one of those fascinating things. How do you not understand that? I, I think there's a mass insanity that takes place that Hitler brings upon that country. They were so wounded and so shamed by what happened. Well, they were able to be molded into something that was not right. Part of it is who it was. You know, it's not until after Israel is established as a state that. Anti-Semitism really starts to become a non-starter. You know, part of it's the the effect of the, the you know the absolute atrociousness of the Holocaust. Yeah. But you're talking about the Jews, the Gypsies, you know, people that you know respectable Europe doesn't like anyways. Yeah. Now, respectable Europe, don't get me wrong, they like the money the Jews have. Sure. But they don't like the Jews themselves. Yeah. There's still awful lot of racial hatred in that sense. So for us, that's it's hard to wrap our minds around that. We've grown up in a post world behind that, right? It's it's like for us, it's hard to wrap our minds around some of the racism that our country has been guilty of in the past. It's hard to wrap our minds around the anti-Semitism that is centuries old, right? Uh, which is again, I like to yeah. point out: look at what we have done in our lifetimes. Yeah. It's astounding. We've made more progress uh, in these areas than at any other time, uh, with the possible exception of the actual freeing of the slaves. I mean, that was the biggest step, obviously. But you know, but who these things were committed against, these atrocities, that's, I think, you know, they're still in that mind that, well, they're just Jews. They're just gypsies. Nobody likes them anyway. But what difference does it make if we cleared all of Poland of them? Right, because nobody cares for those people. But it turns out people actually did. <laughs> and, you know, once you go to war for a moral cause, you start realizing, oh, crap, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, maybe all this other stuff is a bad idea. Maybe we need to be better. Right. And I think Stauffenberg picked up on some of that. Uh, but he was still blinded by who he was. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's important to remember, too, that they were not looking to set up a democracy. No, oh, no authoritarianism. They wanted to go back to a Kaiser, not not in name, but you know uh, somebody that fills that role. Kind of an oligarchy sort of deal with them at the helm. That's right. And again, this whole delusion of, well, we'll try to settle things with the West, and keep all of our possessions in the East. Which you know, which is of course the uh, the same thing that uh, the negotiators from the Confederacy did. Uh, when they when they sent Alexander Stevens up to negotiate towards the end of the war, saying, "Well, we, we want to keep our slaves. What do you need for peace?" He said, "You know, well, give up your slaves." Well, no, we don't want to do that. You know, you do. We dictate terms, not you. Yeah. You don't. Negotiation for peace is over. 
we're going to win. Yeah. And the only the people thing. who can negotiate are those who are on relatively equal terms. Well, that's exactly right. Because yeah, otherwise, what do you have to give? That's right. You, you don't give away anything until you've won. And right. then that's just to prove your own generosity yeah. if you need to. Or not. Right. You know, sometimes winners don't. Matter Historically, winners never give away anything. Yeah. You know, World War One and Two. well, really, World War Two was the first war where we did not require reparations the way past wars have. Now, obviously... Uh, they didn't have anything left to, well, that's right. to we, pay. Well, right, because they, they had nothing left. That's right, because everybody else had surrendered before total destruction happened. That didn't happen this time. And in many respects, because of what Stauffenberg did. Because yes. if Because if that had succeeded, we might have been back to World War Three. Who knows when? Because Germany would have, could have still Yes, because they still wanted... Europe to be under the the power yeah, of Germany. But I, I think I think Churchill and Roosevelt they would have never allowed it. Would right. never have backstabbed Stalin that way. No, no they, they, they would have. Even still, though Stalin would have backstabbed them in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. I think they to them it was full victory or nothing. They wouldn't have listened to any kind of outreach. That's correct. Yeah, it's, even it's, even at this point, they yeah, wouldn't have listened to delusion. Outreach. The word you used earlier, delusion. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it, it well, was this delusion that oh well we'll put Beck in charge and you know and all the all the, and we'll come out like angels because we've killed Hitler and we'll, and the West the Western Allies was no that would have gotten you a lot of credit might have kept you from being executed but yeah. That, yeah yeah well, yeah I mean, it, it, there was well, still going to be a military campaign to destroy the rest of Germany basically that's it, it, it it would I don't I personally don't think this changes much in the outcome. Other than maybe there's no Ardennes offensive in December. You know, there's oh, no the, battle of the no bulge. Battle bulge. Well, it's, eh, it's it, it still just would have been the Allies pushing across France into Germany. They would have been occupied. If they surrendered, which they probably would have, mm-hmm. and then it would have been an occupational force at that point. Yeah. But it's still, you know, the destruction of Germany as a, as a political entity is done. Speaking of being done, I think we're right at time, aren't we? Yep. Yep. So? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Martin's over here flashing the fingers here, and he's like, guys, come on, let's come go. On, we're going along. Yeah, and, and we, we do. We have to be, we have to be concise uh, today, because we are under some time constraints. So, July 20th plot was a failure, but in many ways it also uh, hastened the end of Nazi Germany. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 and even as a success, maybe who knows that it would have made any difference. Anyway. Might not have made any difference. It certainly would have made a difference in who the Allies had to deal with. Yeah, the details would have been, um, but the broad strokes, yeah. But as military men, they might have realized a lot. You know, well, Hitler never realized that he was going to. I mean, I think he honestly thought he could win. Yeah. Even at the end, until the end, until he committed suicide. Uh, these guys probably would have realized that a lot earlier. Because uh, I mean, obviously they did, because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to sue for peace. And I don't know. You know, with with the the Allies still being in on the Normandy beaches, uh, you know, in the immediate area. Because if you look at a map, they were still in a They're very tiny spot right. of France. You know, if you know, and if you put guys in charge who actually knew how to fight, instead of you know having Hitler in his in his you know mad madman approach to things, you know, the the West could have gone very differently. So who knows? But doesn't matter because it didn't happen. Another great example, what if? Which what we'll be doing later on this month. That's right. 
So, Francis, buddy, what's next? Code of Honor. You know, the second week of the month be Code of Honor. We're doing a kind of a, a, a mini Hemingway Palooza this month, shall we say? It's not as big as our Shatner Palooza. Whose idea was that? Mine. Thank you. <laughs> I've been, I know, I'm sorry. I know, I've, I've been, been giving you all kinds of grief. That's right, but it's, it's, been, it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But we're going to do our heroes this month. is going to be Hemingway. Uh, and we saw, you know, Hemingway is one of those great quotable guys. You know, he's got so many great quotes. My God, the man knew language so well. So we said, if we're going to do Hemingway for our heroes, let's use his quotations for our Code of Honor. It's a shame we're not doing our heroes before Code of Honor. Yeah. Uh, because that would really... Uh, kind of prime the pump. Kind of prime the pump, the pump. Yeah. that's right. So we're going to kind of do it a little bit in reverse yeah. order, but still, we're gonna, for the next two weeks, it's going to be Hemingway. It's going to be fantastic stuff. And Hemingway... He's an American treasure. Absolutely. He really is. Absolutely. We're, so, we're going to go deep with all that next month and the month, next week and the week after, so be here. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.